Hello, this is Jaden Fender. We want to thank you for listening today. We would love to connect with you on social media. Now let's go into the live message. Psalm 32 and 7. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. No place to call home. You may be seated. This world is on fire with hatred. Not just what we see in the Middle East, but on the streets of Chicago, New York, and San Antonio. People are being murdered in grotesque ways. People are not just robbing for bread to eat. They're just killing because they want to do that. Why is that? There's a spirit in this world, the devil, is focused in on people, and we have to recognize that. It's not just in Israel and the Gaza Strip. What's going on? The world has reached a boiling point. It's a brand new era. You know, when we pass laws that legalize abortion, we literally legalize the spirit of death in America. It's different when people sin than when sin becomes the law of the land. When it's legalized. When same-sex marriages are legalized. When abortion is legalized. We're saying now this is the law of the land. doesn't matter what God's Word says. And so what we do, we allow spirits, what my lawyer would call portals. We allow open portals. When we brought abortion into America as the law of the land, we opened a portal. And life became less valuable to everybody. And they don't mind taking life. They'll kill you. You said they'll kill you for $100. They will kill you for zero cents now just to kill you. We're living in strange times. And the Bible prophesies about them. And somebody said, well, is this the end? Jesus said, not yet, but it's close. The actors are getting in position. Rehearsal is going on. The stage lights are turned on for the end time, and we need to realize that. It is the fulfilled prophecy of the end time. So what Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24. Read that chapter sometime. It's Peter's prophecy when he said Satan is going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's Jesus' picture of Satan being cast out only to return with a sevenfold vengeance. It's John's declaration that Satan realizing that he's running out of time and his response to the fact that he knows he is running out of tomorrows. I used to have a friend that said, the church is running out of tomorrows. That's not quite accurate. The church never runs out of tomorrow. But the devil is running out of tomorrows, and he knows that. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 12, Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. And the seal for the devil is coming down on you, having great wrath, because he knoweth he hath but a short time. The devil knows his time is running out. 
And so he's throwing everything he can at this world. That's exactly where we are living right now. Let's talk a little bit about the psychic of man. How did man get so evil? The things that we're seeing on our television screens today from the Middle East are unimaginable. I can't imagine opening the door and shooting a woman in the face. I can't imagine killing 40 babies and several of them being beheaded. That's not normal. That's demon activity. The person has to be demon-possessed to kill a baby like that. And we are aghast at what's happening in the Middle East, but it's been happening in abortion clinics for decades now in America. We open that portal. And so we say, how did man get this way? Look at the psyche of man. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Eve and Adam went into covenant with the devil. The devil stole two things. He stole their God and he stole their home. God, which was to be their companion for eternity, was suddenly separated from his creation. And the Garden of Eden, which was literally heaven on earth, was suddenly no longer their home. And they were not allowed to operate in that beautiful place. That's where man started happening to him. But God's got something different in store. God wants to bring peace to humanity. God wants to bring a home that is eternal for mankind. God's got a plan. He said, I said before you, life and death, cursing and blessing, we're making the choice. God's many promises include two primary ones, two primary promises. And that is God is going to have a people. God's going to have a people. You say, well, I'm not going to serve God. Somebody will. If I step from this pulpit now and never serve God again, God will find a replacement. God's going to have a people. That's his promise. I will have a people, a peculiar people, a set-apart people, a blessed people, a people that have the tremendous benefits of God, the daily blessings of God, as well as the eternal. Both Jesus and David talked about the daily benefits of God. I have not yet received my eternal benefits, but I've received what the Bible calls the earnest of my inheritance. The earnest of my inheritance. That's if you've got a million dollars in the bank right now, you can get at least five and a quarter percent interest on that. That means you can get $50,000 a year. At the end of the year, you'll still have your million left. And you just got that 50000 that you squandered on a new car. So we have the earnest in the inheritance. Jesus called it daily bread. David called it daily benefits. That's where I'm living now. I'm living on the daily benefits of God. I don't know what's happened in your life, but God has multiplied the blessings in my life. My daily life has become more blessed because I'm expecting it. I'm praying for it. I'm confessing it. I'm acknowledging it. God, that you are with me every day. You're not just going to meet me when I die. You're not just going to have a place in heaven. Right now, you are making a place for me. In this world that is filled with fear, in this world that is filled with terror, 
I am insulated against that place. God said, I'll make you a place in the time of trouble. And so what's happening in Israel is a terrible thing, tragic thing. But the Palestinians are fighting a lost cause. Why is the Christian church so aligned with Israel? It's because of God's word. Amos chapter 5, verse 15, chapter 9, verse 15. And I will plant them, talking about Israel. I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of that land which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. God has given Israel the land. And Palestinians are fighting for a home in that land. But it's been given to God. God has made three great attempts to have a bride, to have a family, to have a covenant friend. He started with Adam and Eve in the garden. He lost that when they went in covenant with the devil. The second attempt was with Abraham. He lost that when Abraham was impatient and would not wait for Sarah to have that baby that God promised. Sometimes it's hard for this flesh to accept the promises of God. But I don't care how impossible they look. If God said it, they're coming to pass. And one day Abraham looked at Sarah and said, that old woman will never have a baby. But God said she would. God said she would. Abraham said, I just can't believe it, that she's ever going to get to the place where she could revert to the youth and have a baby. And Sarah looked in the mirror and agreed with him. She said, I can't believe it. That promise is so phenomenal. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you the promises that God have made you are unbelievable with the fleshly mind. You've got to get in the spirit of the living God to embrace what God has promised you. You can't look in the mirror and say, I'm not worthy. That's what Abraham and Sarah were doing. We're not worthy. We're not able. God, you can't have a baby with us. And so Sarah said, I'll tell you what, I've got a young servant girl. Why don't you go into her and have a baby? And all the mess we see today in Israel is because of that disobedience. Don't get impatient. God's going to perform in your life exactly what he said he would do. And so Adam and Eve failed to be that family God wanted. Abraham failed to be that family that God wanted. The Bible said God came to his own. Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. And then the third time he came and he said, I'm going to have a church. And he gave Peter the keys to the kingdom of that church. And then Peter gets in a bind and Christ is at the cross again. Peter can't look beyond the cross to the throne. When he sees the death on the cross, he said, well, that's it. Friend, don't ever rule God out. Don't ever think it's over. It's not over till God's word is fulfilled. It's not over till God's word comes to pass. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what the lawyer says. It don't matter what the preacher says. It just doesn't matter. A friend of mine was preaching 40 years ago in a church in Shreveport, Louisiana. And the congregation, he'd had great revivals all over America. And the congregation just did not respond to his ministry for whatever reason. And he was an amazing evangelist. But he just didn't click on that church in Shreveport. And so he got in his flesh. 
and gave them a prophecy on the last night. He said, this church will never have revival. This church will close its doors and this church will go out of existence because you did not receive me. He closed that revival and left. In the next 30 days, they had the greatest revival they ever had. And that church today, 40 years later, is a strong, thriving church in Shreveport, Louisiana. Don't ever let your flesh get the, bid, get the dominion over you and start saying that God's promises will not prevail. I'm telling you what God said is going to come to pass in your life. You're going to have victory. You're going to be an overcomer. You're washed in the blood. You've got the name of Jesus Christ. Your husband is going to get saved. Your family is going to come to Christ. You are going to have miracles in your finance. God is going to heal your body. Don't let your flesh trump the promise of God. But that's what happened on all three occasions. When God said, I'm going to have a family. I'm going to have a covenant. It happened with Adam, it happened with Abraham, and it happened with Peter, giving the keys to the kingdom. And that little girl walked up there and said, he's one of them? Peter should have said, yes, I am one of them, and I am here to support Jesus. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know that he told me that he's going to have a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Instead of Peter said, no, no, I'm not one of them. He began to curse and say, I know not the man. Three attempts and every time man have failed. But let me tell you what, God just doesn't give up. In a few chapters, we see Jesus out there talking on the seashore to Peter that is totally backed off and said, I'm back to my old fishing habits. But Jesus said, here I am. And he wants to know, lovest thou me? I don't care how you feel like you've been defeated in life. All you've got to do is answer the question, lovest thou me? And God is about to turn it around in your life. He's about to turn it around in your life. What's the hope for Israel? Israel is going to be victorious, but they're going to suffer a lot. And why are they suffering? Because they still don't know who God is. The question is, who do men say that I am? They still don't understand that Jesus is Lord of all. And so they're suffering. But the book of Revelation tells me that when all of the smoke clears, there's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists and their message is going to be every knee bows, every tongue confesses, praise God, and Jesus Christ is going to become the Lord of Israel and there's going to be a wholesale revival in the land of Israel. But in the meantime, he is dealing with us, the church. We are his people, praise God. And you saw Peter bounce back after that denial of Christ until he preached that great message at the day of Pentecost. This same Lord is both Lord and Christ, the one that you have crucified and the church began. And you, my friend, if you're white or black or brown or yellow, you are here in a Bible-believing church today. You are way ahead of Israel because you know who Jesus Christ is. And so the devil stole their God. We have found our God. 
But let me explain to you, when you find your God, you find your home. The Apostle Paul would go in the 17th chapter of the book of Acts to Mars Hill. And they were people that were searching for God. They had many altars to many gods. And they had one said to the unknown God. And Peter and Peter said, Paul said, let me tell you who that unknown God is. And he began to preach unto them Jesus Christ. And he said, in him I live. In him I live. Ladies and gentlemen, I have found my home in Christ Jesus. There's a reason why Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. What's the next thing he said? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you so. When you find your God, you find your home. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that no matter what you see on CNN this evening, no matter what happens in Israel and the Gaza Strip, no matter what Hamas does, no matter if Hamas is blown off the face of the earth, which they will be, no matter all of that, it doesn't affect you because you have found your God. And when you found your God, He made you a place. There's nothing worse than not having a place. The reason why millions of people are streaming across the border of Texas and Arizona today is they're looking for a home. They're looking for a place. We need to close our borders for the safety of America. But I have compassion for those people that are looking for a home. And friend, if I didn't have a home, I would just be as passionate as they are. I'd be saying, I'm coming whether you are opening the gates or not. I'm coming. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what I did one night years ago. I realized that I was hopeless and homeless. But when they told me about God, that his name was Jesus, that he came and died for my sins and took them all away. The tears rolled down my face as the hand of God squeezed my heart. And I made a decision that day, and it's been a long time ago. It's been 63 years ago, but I made a decision on that July night that Jesus Christ was going to be my Lord and my God. That's the same decision Israel will soon have to make. But you and I, we're ahead of the pack. We've already made that decision. We know who it is. And so because of that, we're in the Father's hand. Nobody can pluck us out. No matter what goes on in this world, God said, I will make a refuge for you. Ladies and gentlemen, God has got his angels encamped all around about me. Do you really sense the presence of God? Do you talk to God all the time? People are amazed when Paul said, I pray without ceasing. I'm not amazed at all because I do the same thing, Jennifer. I pray without ceasing. I don't have to get on my knees to pray. I don't have to go to a prayer chapel to pray. I pray in my truck. I pray in my car. I just look around. Nobody's around. Praise God. I'm talking to God. I talk to him about you. I talk to him about me. I talk to him about my, my, my brother-in-law's little baby. I just talk to him all the time. And not only do I talk to him, I talk to the angels uh, that he has sent me. I send it to angels. Angels, do you know who I am? I am a son of the living God. Washed in the blood. And praise God because of that. I've always got a place. I'm not like the pitiful past and the people, pitiful people in Palestine and the Gaza Strip 
25 miles long, average five miles wide, two million there, no drinking water, no food. They don't have a home. I'm not like them. Praise God. God has got me in his hand. I've got food. I've got home. I've got water. I've got eternal water. I've got hope. I've got help. I've got angels. I've got the spirit. I've got the blood. I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got the name that is above every name. And so nominal Christians, people that one of the great quarterbacks of the NFL, his daughter told a pastor friend of mine, said, oh, my dad's a strong Christian, but he just don't want anybody to know it. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. If you're a strong Christian, you'll want everybody to know it. You'll want everybody to know it. So I don't care that the world thinks I'm weird. I don't care that they think I'm fanatic because while they're looking for a home and while they're trying to find hope and while they're searching for peace, Peace is my everyday diet. Hope is on my table every morning when I get up. Faith is my garment I slip into every day when I get dressed. Joy is my strength every day of my life. Praise God. I've got a God and I've got a home. I'm not storming a border somewhere. I'm not at somebody's mercy that's demon possessed. Oh no. In him I live and move and have my being. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you if you want to get to that place you got to get radical you've got to say I know who Jesus Christ is and I know what he has done and I know where he brought me from ladies and gentlemen God brought me from a miry clay he put my feet on the rock to stay He took away my sin and gave me righteousness. He took away condemnation and gave me blessed assurance. That's the God I serve. And so this world is the worst it's ever been in. But I can occupy in it and do well. Because God is all around me. He's all around me. The Holy Spirit is in this building right now. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in fear. I don't know how people operate in this world that have no hope. They have no assurance. We don't know what's going to happen next. I don't think Mr. Biden's a good president. I really don't. I think Mr. Trump that I know personally and have spent hours with, I think he's got a screw loose. What are you saying? I pray for both of them. But I don't have much confidence in either of them. My confidence is in Jesus. My confidence is in Jesus. My confidence is in Jesus. If you've got your confidence up in a political party, you're on very shaky ground, folks. Very shaky ground. But if you'll put your confidence in Jesus Christ, He's defeated the devil. He's defeated hell. He's defeated the grave. He's defeated sin. He can take one little loaf of bread and feed everybody in this room. He is the water where you'll never thirst again. Oh, my confidence is in Jesus Christ. Yours might be in a movie star 
Are you a Swifty? I don't even get it. I don't even understand it. They say that she's registering 35,000 people a day to vote. They say that she can influence our economy. Is that really where your confidence is? If you're older than 15 and you've got confidence in her, you need to see a psychiatrist immediately. Friend, my confidence is not in the culture. It's not in a movie star. It's not in a politician. It's not in a system. It's not in religion. My confidence is in Jesus Christ. And when I made him my Lord, he made me this promise. I will give you a place. And there's nothing better than having a place. I pity those people on the streets. I drive by them every day all over San Antonio, all over Austin. I see people, they don't have a place. And they're so pitiful. And so many of them are intoxicated or they're drugged up or they got problems, but they're hungry. And they're just, they have no place. But ladies and gentlemen, I have a place. God always makes a place for those people that know him. Israel could solve their problems overnight by giving their lives to Christ. But they still don't know who He is. Oh, but it shows the patience of God. God won't give up on Israel all of these thousands of years later. And friend, if God wouldn't give up on Israel, He ain't going to give up on me. You said, I've made some mistakes. Friend, every time you make a mistake, you look at Israel and say, if God didn't give up on Israel, He's not give up on me. God didn't give up on Abraham. He's not going to give up on me. God didn't give up on Adam. He's not going to give up on me. God didn't give up on Peter. He's not going to give up on me. God's not going to give up on me. I fail and I fall, but I've got a good God. When I fall, He picks me up. When I fail, He dusts me off. What a mighty God I've got. Ladies and gentlemen, the only hope for the world is not more missiles and not more bombs. The only hope for this world is Jesus Christ, Lord of all. And everybody's not going to be saved, but there's going to be a number that no man can number. And praise God, I'm in that number, and I'm praising God every day. Friend, you cannot save yourself through this world. The disciples came to Christ, and they were so concerned. They said, is this the day? Is this the day of destruction? This is Acts chapter 1. And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. You see, there's preachers today in this, their Sunday pulpit. They're going to tell their congregations that Jesus is going to come maybe this week, maybe today. I'm going to tell you, I just believe that Jesus Christ is imminent. His coming is imminent. I serve Jesus Christ like he's coming today. I plan like he's not coming for 50 years. And so they're, they're saying, they're trying to frighten people with prophecy. Saying, well, you know, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And they're trying to scare people. But Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. It's time for you just to get in relationship. He said, it's time for you to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Friend, if you will come to Christ, get filled with His Spirit, and just pray without ceasing. I mean, every time. Being alone is a great thing, folks. It means you can talk to Jesus. You can talk to Jesus. I've got friends and family, so I don't like to be alone. I like to be alone. I can talk to Jesus.